Well, Bob kind of gave the, the first part of the message there, the intro, just about what the fruit of the Spirit is. So I'd maybe just add, oh yeah, now we're getting a full house right in the middle. That's good. Je- Jesus only had the 12 disciples, but there's 14 of us here today. Think of how much in better position we are to change the world than, than a mere 12. Um, so the fruit of the Spirit, like Bob talked about, but also what it is, is it's God's life. You know, First John uh, it says that it talks a lot of reasons why we don't sin, which probably shocks some of us because we sin a lot, but we don't need to. And one of them is God's seed is in us. And that really kind of hit me afresh this week, uh, just that God is our father and his life is inside of us. And his life is growing, 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 growing. And it's producing things and it's producing fruit. So it's God's character, but it's not God's character from the outside. It's not God's character welled up inside of us by our own will. It's God's character growing in us because God's life is in us. So that's really, really encouraging, you know, that that's what the fruit of the Spirit is. That's what our life is. But we don't want to be passive just because God's seed is in us. His life is coming. His fruit is growing. We want to do our part, which I think our main part is to behold. You know, you do become what you behold. If you fill your mind with a lot of negativity, you're probably going to get fairly negative. If you're aspiring after the glitz and the glamour that our world can offer, that's probably what's going to start to transform and consume you. If you're looking at Jesus, real, real good chance you're going to become like Jesus. Now that's 2 Corinthians 3.8. We're all beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, and we're being transformed from one degree of glory to another, and this is by the Spirit. You know, the Spirit's producing that. We're, We're doing it, but he's producing it. So challenge to all of us, Wherever we're falling short, which is probably just about every aspect of life, we're not perfect. Let's just look to Jesus more and let that be our number one thing that we want to do to combat everything that's uh, not the way it should be. Uh, So we've uh, sang and heard God's perfect in all his ways. We've gone so far as to say he's good in all of his ways. I think we want to step it up one level further, though. And so before we talk about the fruit of the Spirit coming out of us, I think it's important to realize this is who God is. As Bob said, this is his character. So first and foremost, we want to see him. We want to marvel at him like, wow, that's who you are. So let's not look, how kind am I? How kind is Jeremy? How kind is God? I mean, that's where we should start and spend the bulk of our time and emotional energy. And in Psalm 145, 17, God, through whoever wrote that, reveals about himself. He says, the Lord is kind in all of his ways. It's not just, hey, he's got a perfect plan. It's not even just, hey, he's good, because if you wait until the end, you'll see that, you know, it's all working for the right, which is really awesome. But he actually is kind in all of his ways. So the roadblocks that you run into that God's allowing to be in your way, is it disappointing? Is it frustrating? Absolutely it is. But you know what else it is? It's absolutely smothered in God's kindness. And we don't feel it that way most of the time. But we don't always 
feel things right. Sometimes we have to believe things first, and then maybe the feelings can even follow. You know, and I know there's been times in my life where it's been like, yeah, this is this is tough. This is not. But wow, do I feel your kindness in this? Uh, and boy, one of the ways that God's kindness appeared when we had a big roadblock is He saved us. You know, Paul wrote to Titus in chapter three said. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God appeared, he saved us. That's a really immense kindness because we weren't looking for God as a whole in humanity. We probably weren't necessarily looking for him when he first came calling for us as individuals. But how kind God is. And his kindness cost him. To save us cost Jesus a lot. He gave up everything, suffered immensely, because he's so kind. And he didn't just save us out of his kindness. He's going to show his kindness to us forever. You know, in Ephesians 2, Paul writes, you know, you've been raised up with Jesus, seated in the heavenly places with him, in order that in the coming ages God might demonstrate his kindness to the praise of the glory of his grace. So what God's going to be up to forever is saying to each one of us, see how kind I am to you. And then our response will be, wow, we're going to praise you because that's awesome. You're so gracious. You didn't have to do that. You could have saved us. And that would have been enough and said, I'm not going to send you to hell. I'm not going to hate you. I'll let you into my kingdom. I'll even call you my son. I don't have to go out of my way to be immeasurably kind to you forever, but that's what he's going to do. And then it, if it can go further than that, it does. Because he's not just kind to the people who love him back. You know, in Luke 6, 35, Jesus says, you know what? God is kind to the evil and the ungrateful. And I'm a child of God. I think you're all children of God. But there's still some evil in us. I know there's evil in me. I've seen it creep out of some of you too as well, believe it or not. Um, so it's good that God is kind to the evil. And I know this, even when I'm pretty good, I'm not terribly grateful as I should be. I mean, think of everything God's done for you. How are any of us sitting down and not just leaping for joy, you know? So not a condemnation in anyone because that would if that's the only thing we ever did, that would kind of consume our life. And, you know, there are other things to do. But I'm not as grateful as I should be for everything God's done for me. I know that. And yet he's so kind. And I even have a relationship with him where I am immensely grateful. A lot of the world says, I don't care about you at all. And you know, I think, you know, when we were in Uganda, it was their rainy season. And for the second rainy season in a row, the other one was back in November or sometime, it wasn't raining. And if you're in an agrarian economy and it doesn't rain in the rainy season, you got trouble. Now, thankfully, even maybe somewhat prophetically, it rained while we were there and it didn't, it rained hard. But it didn't just rain on the Christians' fields. Everyone in that village who doesn't care about God got rain from God because he's so immensely kind. And God's kindness towards those people, you know this from Romans 2, 4, 
it is meant to lead them to repentance. You know, it's not just for no reason. It is saying, you know, God's, Paul told the people in Athens or whatever, that God, God's goodness is known to everybody. Everybody knows how good God is. Everybody knows God. Everyone on earth knows God. They press it down because it doesn't fit with what they want to be about. But if you get to the heart of it, they, they received his goodness. They've tasted of his kindness, his rainy seasons, his food. And it should lead to repentance. And God is even so kind that sometimes he'll not just use kindness, but as you read in Revelation, the last days, tribulation type stuff, people are enduring through that. And then there's a little offhand comment in there that John writes, and still they did not repent. As if God's like saying to them, guys, I've been so crazy kind to you for all of your life, and you didn't turn to me. So I tried the other approach. I sent down judgment and sword and famine and horrible stuff. And you didn't repent. Even my judgment was meant to be kindness, to bring you to repentance. So God is not as angry and vengeful as people want to make him out to be. Even his vengeance is kindness. Now he does have a day set where the kindness will end to people who won't receive it. That day's in the future. Right now, he is so kind to everybody on the face of the earth. And hopefully his kindness towards us, you know, we've had our big one-time repentance, like, whoa, yeah, I need you. I'm not capable to do life and to bring about what I need for now and forever. I, I need you. I want you. But we all stumble in many ways. And whenever we turn back from that, that's God's kindness that's brought us back. So if that's who God is, he calls us to join him in being kind. Uh, Luke 6, 35, where it says he's kind to the evil and ungrateful. The beginning of that verse is Jesus telling us, well, you love your enemies. You do good to people because you want to be sons of your father in heaven. That makes sense. If God can be kind to people who have treated him way worse than anyone's ever treated us, it seems fitting that we could be kind. We could be loving. So part of God's kindness is his forgiveness. You know, to say, yeah, you've done this, 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 and you've hated me. I'm going to cover all that. I'm going to pay for all of that. That's really, really kind. And so God's forgiveness models, and it does demand, and thankfully it also empowers our kindness in Ephesians 4.32. What a great verse. Paul says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other as God in Christ has forgiven you. So it is modeled. God did it first. He did it best. He keeps doing it. He does demand it. God has standards. You know, If you want to be in his family, you've got to be like him. He says, I forgave you. You forgive one another. I've been so kind to you, you be kind to one another. But he doesn't stop with the model and the demand. He empowers it. You, know, you think of Colossians 3.12 where Paul's writing a list of things. Put on these things. You got to do it. But he starts out the list as beloved children put on such and such and such kindness. So you got to put on kindness. But don't wake up in the morning, oh my gosh, I got to be kind.
time today to say, oh, my gosh, look how much God loves me. Wow. How could I not be kind today? Who can I look to to share some of the kindness that God has lavished upon me? This book's filled with a lot of kind of paradoxes. Kindness isn't always soft, cozy. It is always kind. Psalm 141 verse 5 says that a strike from a righteous man is kindness. So if you got a godly person who kind of slaps you into place a little bit, our natural response, man, well, <laughs> who's he? I'm not that bad. <laughs> Look what he's got going on. You know, but if we're having God's spirit control us, we're going to say, wow, thanks, man. That was really, really kind of you. I was off track. I'm so thankful that you showed me back to the way. But there's paradoxes, and I have noticed this in my life. The devil's really tricky. So he's going to try and twist things. So now, on the one hand, he's going to say, oh, man, you don't receive that from him. He's, he's coming against you. And then on the other hand, he's going to say to the person who's bringing the correction, well, you don't need to be gentle. I mean, you're loving. You're showing the person their fault. I mean, that's love, right? Well, it might be. First Corinthians thirteen four, Paul says, love is kind. So don't think you're loving someone if you confront them, rebuke them, show them the error of their way, evangelize them, if you're not doing it with kindness. If your heart is abrasive, if you're looking to get the upper hand, if you're anything other than, wow, I see something that's not good, I don't really even want to address it. But God's spirit in me is pushing me in that direction. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to do it, maybe even gingerly, but I'm going to do it gently, full of kindness. And then that person can really, really receive that strike as, wow, that was kind. Maybe just the last thought, it's not enough to be kind. The Christian life isn't about doing the right things. It's not even about being the right kind of person. It's about loving the right things. Even you go back to the old covenant, Micah. I love those worship songs from the 90s. There's one that I'm kind of glad went away. Let justice roll down like a mighty. That one always kind of annoyed me. I mean, sometimes Christian songs can annoy people. That was the one I didn't like. So I'm glad I haven't encountered that one again. But the truth of God's word behind it is really good. And if that song helped anyone else get to it, that's great. I can, en- I can endure that one. But uh, so what, what Micah, through God's inspiration, said, here, you know, if you want to, here's what God requires of you. God does require It's to act justly, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. So even being kind isn't good enough. We need to love kindness. And that, I think, gets close to the heart of the matter of how God's Spirit really changes us and brings about his fruit. 
if we behold Jesus enough, we look to God enough, we say, wow, if that's what you're like, I want to be like that because I love that. If the love for kindness grows and grows and grows inside of us, there's not going to be much room left in our hearts for aggressiveness, pushiness, getting our way, all that kind of stuff that's the opposite, which you don't need to look too far to soak that in. So if we're not deliberately looking to Jesus, we're going to receive that, and that's going to find its way into our heart. But man, if we can see him enough to where we fall in love with who he is and what he's like, that's going to take root in us, and that fruit's going to grow and grow, and fruit gets eaten. So other people are going to come, and they're going to taste of that, and the fruit in you is going to bear fruit 30, 60, 100-fold. Just think what your one act of kindness could do. It could change someone's life. Who could change six other people's lives? And you could get exponential return on one moment of God's spirit welling up his fruit inside of us. That is pretty awesome.